Hello, my name is Andrew. And my name is Presley. Welcome to season one, where we cover canceled television, tell you all about it, tell you what we think, and recommend it or not recommend it. Presley? Yes? What are we watching? <laughs> well, what did we watch is, a better, is the better question. Well, yeah, what did we watch? Um, so as you can tell by the episode title, uh, this week we watched a show called Running Wild with an E. A, uh, a sitcom from a few years back. I think it was like it's like ten years old at this point, uh, thereabouts. Um, yeah, and uh, it was uh, co-created by Will Arnett, who also stars in it, and um, Mitchell Hurwitz, who was the famed creator of Arrested Development, um, along with several other shows. And there's a lot of Arrested Development elements. Arrested Development elements. That's a fun kind of Arrested uh, Developments. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, thrown into the the plot of this, which I'll I'll share with you as you go, because I do not believe you've watched that that I show. Have. But oh, you have. Okay, then maybe you caught mm-hmm. on to something. Uh, but for our listeners, a uh, quick little synopsis of the show. So, uh, Running Wild again with an E at the end of it, just to not be confused. Uh, focuses on the son of Wild Oil Empire, Stephen Wild, played by Will Arnett, as he struggles to find meaning in his life. At the same time, Stephen's old best friend and crush from like middle high school and neighbor, uh, Emmy Kadubik, played by Carrie Russell, is sick and tired of living in the, uh, I believe, Peruvian rainforest with her preteen daughter, Puddle, played by uh, Stefani. Steph- <laughs> I, for- I messed up the name <laughs> earlier. Andrew, what's her name? Stefania Levy Owen. Stefania Levy Owen. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Stephen and Emmy. Uh, reunite at an award ceremony that Stephen is throwing for himself uh, as a wonderful activist, even though he's never done any activism, but sits uh, Stephen being a trust fund obsessed party boy and Emmy, an environmental activist and loving mother. Uh, the two of them start to reconnect and decide to kind of see what happens together while not actually being in like a real romantic relationship, more just like trying to change each other relationship. It's very strange. Um, but uh, Emmy and Puddle reluctantly agree to move into uh, Stephen's mansion, along with like his uh, help staff, who are also members of, of the cast, um, uh, so that Puddle can attend a more traditional school than uh, a hut in the rainforest, which is what they were at before. And so uh, Emmy can kind of spend time doing local activism as well as trying to st- change Stephen for the better, because apparently he can't just be who he is. He needs to be changed. Uh, throughout the series, you watch as Steven tries to change for the better with the help of Emmy while also ultimately trying to not change uh, his habits of partying and getting everything he wants because he really doesn't want to give up that lifestyle despite the fact that Emmy really wants him to be giving up that lifestyle and he wants to be with Emmy who he can't be if he's like that it's kind of confusing and a little muddy um at the end of the series, the two seemingly uh, get together romantically, um, but we're left on a cliffhanger of, of sorts as uh, they're about to kiss on this romantic dinner as Stephen has finally kind of uh, told Hoff his father and kind of washed his hands of uh, his like need for acceptance by everyone around him. Um, and then they're interrupted with like a loud clanging uh, at the sound of the dinner table. Uh, that is the series. I would tell you more details about the plot, but because it's kind of a sitcom, the plot doesn't really matter episode to episode. Yeah. Yeah. We would tell you more about the plot, but there isn't one (laughs) really not, not much of one other than, yeah. Like basically it seems Steven is obsessed with Emmy. Um, and she has, you know, an interest in him as well, but basically he's just trying to get her back 
or have her. Um, he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. He's not a very good person uh, because he was raised w- with wealth and didn't really learn how to have a personality and, and be a decent person. His personality um, is that he is a rich person with money. Like that yeah. is the way he associates with himself and also the people around him associate with him. Right. right. Like that is, that is his whole shtick. And even his best friend who is like the son of a middle Eastern oil magnate, right. They're basically mm-hmm. both like um, these kind of, matching archetypes of one another they they, they're the same person just from like different backgrounds one's a more eastern background one's more western background but like they're both just like money obsessed crazy people yeah 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 what do you Um, think of the show andrew it's kind of clear from the way that you just illuminated it but i wanted to hear because i had watched this show prior to to the podcast i had seen it when it was airing actually and then i obviously rewatched it for this yeah because i i i can be corrected if my, by my sister if this is wrong, but I think she was excited about this because it was another Mitchell Hurwitz uh, kind of invention along with Will Arnett, who we like both of them. Um, but I don't think that we, after watching like even two or three episodes, I think we fell off pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, David Cross was also in it who um, played Andy, Emmy's fiance from the rainforest, whatever. Um, it's a good He good was note. also in Arrested Development. Yeah, um, there's at least four... Arrested Development cast members that yeah. make regular appearances on the show. Yeah. Um, my opinion. Well, I mean, it wasn't good. You know, <laughs> like it was. It was. It, to me, it felt. Uh, it felt a lot like. Uh, would you say Mitchell Hurwitz? Is that yeah. was his mm-hmm. name? Was? Uh, was kind of just trying to copy paste the success of Arrested Development into a new show. Success should even that, be in air that, quotes because it was canceled after three seasons. But you are well, right, quote I think. unquote success, right? Yeah. I mean, it has a cult following. People really like the show. Yeah. Um. You know, there there is a bit of a following to it. People do enjoy that show. So I absolutely. guess absolutely, like, I love that which, show. Yeah. Right. It has. You know, it, it was canceled after a few seasons, and and it came back. Uh, for a reprisal, which I hear is, you know, some people it's like a it, some people didn't. But, no, it's terrible. Um, Anyone who likes it is wrong. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. If, there, if we could do that. His opinion. If we could do that show on this show, I mean, it breaks mm-hmm. the rule of having more than one season, right? Because that, that's our principal yeah. rule is that if it has more than one season, it doesn't, we can't review it. But um, I would, I, that would absolutely be a zero. As much as I want more rest of development, as soon as I got it, it was terrible. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, this um, isn't a review of Arrested Development. Please continue. Right. Yeah, so it felt to me, um, and you know, I personally didn't care much for Arrested Development. Like, it was okay. But, um, and then this just felt like a watered-down copy-paste version of yeah, Arrested Development. that's which exactly then, the way like, to describe it. Really didn't hit for me. Uh, yeah. There was almost nothing you know there was almost nothing that like i really really remember that i laughed at or thought was like genuinely funny it is actually ironic now because when i was watching it there was something that happened in one of the episodes that i was like oh damn that was actually kind of funny and i already forgot what it was (laughs) because it wasn't that impressionable and i literally was like oh i need to remember that because that was the one funny thing i saw in this in the show and i literally already forgot it I think, yeah, so this is something we'll talk about, I'm sure, as other uh, as other shows come along down the pipeline of the podcast, right? This is kind of our first uh, comedy sitcom that we're diving into. Um, mm-hmm. It's one thing for a show to be bad by virtue of its, like, acting or its plot or anything like that. But I think, like, a real true cardinal sin is when a show is a comedy and it is fundamentally not funny. Yeah. It is, like 
horrible in a way that is almost indescribable because like you're right I can think of like probably three funny jokes that like throughout the entire where it's like that joke will stick with me and is actually funny Mm -hmm. and the rest were one of two jokes one on one hand are like the just uh, very specific niche jokes that aren't interesting or weren't like funny at all that they're like so specific to the situation that you can't just it's almost like an inside joke with itself you know with the show itself where it's Mm -hmm. like even between the two of us we can't say the joke amongst ourselves because it wasn't funny and then there is the other half of that which is way worse and that's the extremely racist jokes of which there are a ton yeah which uh is not great obviously um and, you know, when I, you know, I, I think I had watched like the first three episodes of the show when it was originally airing. So I couldn't remember all of it. And I was, you know, like 10, I think when this was airing too. So a lot of the, yeah. the, that kind of stuff went over my head, which is unfortunate because I should have recognized that, but yeah. it, it was kind of insane listening to a lot of the ways they thought making fun of people was okay. Oh, hundred percent. It, yeah, it was um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lacking because it was so unimpressionable that the entire show, I mean, I, I'm lacking detail for like yeah. some of the specific things that I personally don't really want to repeat anyway. Um, no, we won't, we won't be on this show and, because it's uh, like very un- you know, unokay. Like, but, uh, it was just, it was, yeah, it was bad. There was just bad taste in a lot of the humor. Um, and I just didn't really enjoy it. Um, well, and the other big thing I think to note, right. Is it's one thing when you have, like a lot of subtle, um, very well thought out, long planned out jokes or plot lines. And, yeah. and I think that's where one of the things that Arrested Development, you know, we're going to make a lot of comparisons because it's a lot of the same people mm-hmm. and creators, um, yeah. really shines, right? Like there are jokes that play out over literal seasons because yes. they can and they took the time to like think about the, the, the lead up to the, even if it's a pun that like results in a, a very small joke that just keeps running. Here was a thing where they kept like trying to have a joke kind of persist uh, like episode to episode, like each mm-hmm. episode reiterates the same joke like four times. And like, I again can only think of like one time where that happens and you have to write really carefully when you're writing like that. And they just didn't. Yeah. Yeah, they were literally just like, it It almost felt to me like it was the episodes that they that they tried to write when they were writing Arrested Development that didn't work, like some of the yeah, ideas like scrap behind scripts, it, and then they yeah. were like, oh, well, we have this new show, let's just put these ideas in this show and just, and just like aggressively hammer the square peg through the round hole and make it happen. Yeah. Um, and and it, it yeah it just didn't hit um but yeah i get what you're saying there wasn't a lot of that like overarching you know kind of joke thing they did kind of try but it, it the overarching theme of it was it was the same joke right it was the same idea literally the same thing every other episode yeah i and, mean uh, I, like a recurring thing is like steven's inability to like listen to other people because mm-hmm. like he thinks he's always right. He's like very self-absorbed and you can kind of picture what that would be like. Um, and his like best friend is not really his best friend. They're very competitive, but his real best friend who is like basically a servant, his name's Migo. He's like his driver servant. Um, yeah. Who's like the one kind of good character in the show, in my opinion. Um, his name is Migo. Yeah. Um, he 
is always trying to tell Steve like the right way to do things, the the charitable way, the kind way to do things. The you know he he's like supposed to be Steve's conscience, and Steve just like always neglects him. And like there are some interesting, cute moments where he's like, "This is what I've been telling you for years now." When Stephen like kind of finally realizes it, but then Stephen yeah. will like distort it and turn it into like something completely wrong that made no sense um, to what Migo was trying to say. And like, those are the times where the show is like kind of clever with that, but it also gets so repetitive and has no other interesting new things to say about it that it, it just falls short every single time. Yeah. You kind of had this cycle of like, um, you know, Migo acts as, as the, the self-conscious or yeah. not the self-conscious, the conscience, you know, as like you the moral saying, center. Yeah. The moral center of, of, you know, of Steven. And he kind of like tells him something Steven at toward the end of the episode goes, Oh, I understand now like doing charity or doing, you know, cause this is a pretty recurring theme was him trying to do charity to make himself feel good or to do good things so that he got something out of it so that Emmy was happy and loved him right. or that he got this or that or whatever. And, you know, it would be like, for an example, you know, Amigo would be like, well, you do it because it's a good thing. Or Emmy would say, you, you do it for a good, because it's a good thing. And he would finally get that. He would finally go, oh, I'm not doing a good thing to get anything in return, not yeah. even to feel good. Right, yeah. He would be like, oh, I understand that now. Yeah. And then the next episode happens. It would be completely gone. That never happened. And even like, then, it's like even most of the time at the end of that, that moral is still very much lost on him. Like, you know, even then, like, because the whole, everything they do is like very much a farce in the sense of like, nothing ever gets done. Nothing is ever resolved because it's a sitcom, right? Yeah. Like at the same time, you're, you're, you get nothing in the end. No, nothing's ever resolved. Nothing's ever created. Nothing's yeah. ever, nothing ever matters. Right. And that's like kind of the hard yeah. part uh, with doing a sitcom where you try to have growth where you, it, it's very hard to do that. Right, you need years to build growth into a story rather than four episodes or whatever, especially when the episodes yeah. aren't connected in any way. Yeah, I was gonna say it's hard, but it's not impossible. You know, you have a lot oh, of yeah. shows where there's a lot of good character development, and they are sitcoms, and they have very, very profound things to say and things that happen, and 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 things that the characters learn and grow into, and and et cetera, et cetera. And we could probably both think of a few of our favorite sitcoms where that happens. Yeah. Um, they didn't have enough time to do it in this and they didn't have enough creative juice behind it. Um, yeah. Or to make that kind of thing happen. Or you have the rarities like an arrested development. The, the name of the show is literally about how none of these characters can change and they're all exactly the same all the time yeah. where they get into genuinely interesting, funny situations as a result of their own, you know, narcissism, hubris, you know, whatever yeah. else you want to say. And that's also enjoyable. But here you're you're trying to split the uprights of those two things in a way that just fundamentally doesn't work. Um, I also think it's really hard to care about anybody in a show where everybody is a horrible person. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I say this because like as much as it is like in the synopsis, we were talking about Carrie Russell's character, Emmy. Um, Carrie Russell is a great actress. And right after this, she did The Americans. And The Americans is one of the best shows like I think ever made. Oh, like yeah. it's so mm -hmm. unbelievably good. And she is unbelievably great in it. But in this show, she is so bland. And all she has to say are platitudes about doing good things for people. Never actually shown to do any of those things. And yeah is constantly trying to hide a secret kind of greediness and selfishness that is like very, 
very slimy to me. Like it's it's one thing if like she is genuinely doing a lot of great things. You know, she lived in the rainforest for six years or however long, trying to support, uh, you know, a a struggling tribe in in Peru. I think that is a great thing. We don't see any of that because she leaves in the pilot episode when she was doing that. And then all she does is criticize Steven for doing things that he likes to do that he should be able to do without like necessarily hurting anybody, even if it's not like morally great things. Right. And then doesn't do anything else. Like she is just there to nag Steven, which is unfortunate because she yeah. could have had a much more interesting character arc. Yeah. She's just kind of there to be like, Hey, you know, this is the way you should be, or this is a bad thing that you did, or, you know, you're doing this the wrong way, or you should become a better person. Meanwhile, she's kind of like, and I think this is kind of like the part of the quote unquote interesting part of the show that they tried to kind of create, I think yeah. like the dynamic where they're ch- kind of changing each other, right. Where she's kind of like going a little bit toward his direction, being a little more self, you know, centered in, in, you know, being self-centered sometimes is not an unhealthy thing to do. Right. No. But when you're on either side of that spectrum, which they both are, it's yeah. not good. Right. right, she's sacrificing too much, and then she starts getting really greedy, kind of subtly. And it's interesting. She talks about all this good she needs to do for the world, or all these things she needs to to accomplish now that she's back, and she wants to make a difference. And she doesn't put any effort into it. She no. just kind of hangs out at the mansion and harps on Steve all the time. Um, I think like one of the big things is she's very like anti corporate America and especially like Steven, yeah. whose money all comes from oil, which is obviously yeah. like a very dirty source of energy and, and which is very... directly what her and Andy, her um former partner. Yeah, David whatever, Cross's character. W- yeah. David Cross's character were trying to fight in Peru. They were kind yeah. of hi- trying to save that community, that tribe from wild oil taking all that land or right. dumping oil and spills and, and ruining. And that's why one of the reasons she was at the fundraiser, not fundraiser, award ceremony that Steven was throwing for himself or he gives himself an award for being awesome or whatever. Uh, that is like one of the funny things in the show when they show him his own, like they keep making the joke of like, send the pa- plaque back, bring the plaque yeah. out, send the plaque. And like the plaque is like almost two stories tall. And it's just like him smiling yeah. with like lights around it. It's like very stupid, but like I Humanitarian like of the year award. Yeah. And he's never done anything. He's never but, done a single thing for anyone else going back to to carrie russell's character right emmy she also like at one point she wants to start a nonprofit, which is like it's great right yeah. but like she also has no idea what a nonprofit is somebody who's been working doing charitable work for years doesn't know the structure of a nonprofit, and the fact that yeah. nonprofit doesn't mean that you don't make any money it means that mm-hmm. you don't uh you know have an excess of money and that you use that excess of you money reinvest to... the profit correct and and yeah. And then she also refuses to take any money from Steven to start a nonprofit, which Steven actively wants her to do. Like, unironically, Steven's like, yes, let's start a nonprofit to support whatever you want to do, like whatever that is, because Emmy's lying about having started one in the first place. So he's like, oh, I want to invest. Like, you've been telling me to be a better person. Here's a direct way I can use my money, a resource that I have access to, to support you. And then Emmy basically gives him the runaround and it's this whole stupid scenario of them like passing this exact same cashier's check around to six different people. Exactly. And like, why don't you just take the money and start a nonprofit? Right. Like it, well, cause she needed more, right. She went and go, she went and talked to the the lawyer or whoever about using it. And he's like, well, this isn't enough. Like, 
you know, I think it ended up being like 25,000. I was like, this isn't near enough. Like you need more money. And then she was supposed to ask for more money and then she felt bad about it. And then all that, I think that was like the only funny, I think that was the funny thing that I noticed was that like, instead of just being straight up that, I think that was the episode that I was thinking like, Oh, this was actually something that was very silly that I actually kind of thought was funny was how the money was just running around in this circle and nobody ever got what they needed. Right. And And everyone uh, thinks they're getting more money at one point because they're getting this check that they've already had and they thought they had. Right. Um, I agree with you that that was like one of the better episodes is that like scenario that's being passed around. Something actually happened. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it, like along with that is there's this weird love triangle thing going on in that episode where Steven's yeah. stepmother, which we later find out is actually his ex-stepmother who yeah. is trying to harangue him for money is pretending like, Oh, you're being cut off when in re- reality she was cut off and is trying to steal yep. his money. And so she's like trying to prostitute out Steven to then steal all of his money so that she can extort him. It's like this weird thing where it's like, it doesn't sound interesting or fun in, in the way that we're describing it. Cause it kind of isn't, but it's like, yeah. if you took it and tweaked it, tighten the screws here and there, cut out some extraneous plot points here or there, you could have an interesting concept for one episode of television, but it's like yeah. they used only first drafts for the show of scripts mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, reiterating and, and cleaning it up and trimming the fat of those, of those plot points to the fact where it's so muddy and blurry that it's even hard for us to recap one episode of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the funny, funny part to that whole thing was that their nonprofit was basically to become loan sharks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was like that. Actually but that's David Cross's like whole thing, right? It was yeah, like, that he, was this whole thing, like coming yeah. into helping, um, helping, helping her, uh, in helping air quotes. It. Well, yeah, quote unquote helping, um, was that he basically was like, we're going to be loan sharks for nonprofits or like billionaires or something like that. Um, he doesn't say that, that, that but that then was... Emmy calls him out for that. And he's like, well, isn't that what everyone's doing anyway? And it's kind of yeah, funny because yeah, yeah they are. Cause it's true. It's true. Yeah. And um, they are, they were doing it. Um, yeah. I mean, that was, that was probably the, the highlight of the entire series other than the fact that it was short. <laughs> How many episodes was it, Andrew? It was 13 episodes, 13, 13 episodes, 20 minute average, 21 minute average. It pretty was, standard. Uh, it was pretty, yeah, pretty standard sitcom, right? It was canceled probably like, I think it was canceled within like six. I would not seven, be surprised if it episodes. wasn't canceled within the first half of the season. Yeah, it like one through nine aired on Fox, I think. And then like the, the second or the last quarter of it aired on FX because... There's like, oh. there's, yeah, I, I, I was I didn't realize about that. that or I read about that. You always yeah, are a facts um, guy like that. Yeah. They were just like, all right, this is, this is bad. We're canceling it. And FX is like, nah, we'll finish it. Um, that's, that's very interesting. Cause isn't FX part of Fox anyway? Yeah. I think it, it is. is. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. It's like a subdivision of, it's like the better mm-hmm. subdivision of Fox because everything yeah. on FX is great and anything else on yeah. Fox is bad. Yeah. Um, but Fox is where they do most of their sitcoms, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. most of their sitcoms come from the Fox network FX is more of like the drama, better shows, the higher production, like Sons it's always of sunny and things like that, you know? Um, yeah, the show, you know, it, it, we asked the question here, the, one of the jobs of our podcast, right. Is to, you know, speculate on what we'd want to see from, from more seasons of the show. Right. So, so you tell me, Andrew, what would you have wanted or not want it. You know, how would you have developed the show, right? If they had gotten a second season, what would have been the the force or driving motivator or way you would have made the show better? Um, 
It's the I question we ask every time, episode. So I know I hadn't spent any time thinking about it, even though I knew this question was going to come up. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't want to think any more about it. Um, <laughs> just in all honesty. Lots of previews for what uh, your star rating is going to be, I feel like. I think, um, well, I don't imagine yours is going to be any better. Um, I think I think we would have seen Will and Emmy enter a relationship, and there would have been a lot of her kind of teaching him how to treat another human being properly yeah. in a romantic relationship and her struggle with like just accepting him for who he is, but also like reasonably wanting more out of him for it. Meanwhile, her also trying to figure out what she's doing with her life. Yeah. On that. Cause I, I feel like I would, see, isn't that what we I, saw in the first season anyway though? Well, yeah, we kind of already saw that in, in season one, but uh, or the, you know, the, the episodes that we saw, but I just, I think, I guess I would be hoping that it actually went somewhere rather than, you know, Oh, I, you know, I need to be doing something charitable. I need to be doing this thing. And then never puts any effort into it. Um, I could see some interesting like play where, you know, there was the episode where they kind of like reverse roles and he basically, that was also the other her shoes. Episode. And that was an interesting enough episode where yeah. basically he stepped in as, as puddles mom or father figure. Right. And basically raised her. Yeah. And then, um, Emmy stepped in to his party life and his A-list life yeah. and, and like let With- go of the reins on puddle and just kind of like did their thing. And that was, I thought that was an interesting concept, right? Because yeah. then they got to see a little bit of each other's world, and that's where they kind of mentioned, like, oh, maybe being a little bit like each other isn't necessarily a bad thing or yeah. whatever. Um, I think we could have anticipated more of that. When it's the whole um, you can't last a day in my shoes or whatever, right? Which exactly. a lot of sitcoms play the role of, and I think they can yeah. do really well. And this is an yeah. interesting concept for that. But because the show's so muddy and unfocused, it... Yeah. it ends up falling apart by the end of the episode where it's no yeah. longer about their like struggles to do each other's roles. Yeah. They ended up, they ended up, and I thought it was a really nice moment where they kind of like at the end of it kind of sat down and both were like, both of our lives are tiring and overwhelming in a different way. Yeah. And we could learn a lot about that from each other. And then the reset button was it. Yeah. Every episode, <laughs> right? that was you that, just have to imagine that, that. that recurring problem with, right. I feel like they like, the idea of it being a sitcom was too much of a scapegoat for them to say like, mm, Oh, mm-hmm. we don't have to go anywhere with this because it's a sitcom. They usually reset. And the idea of a lot of sitcom is that the character development doesn't happen. People don't move on from this. They're stuck in this perpetual loop of being who they are and all this kind of thing. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's a bit of a scapegoat, but I don't know. I think season two, Probably would have seen them in a relationship, like I said, probably trying to figure out like Emmy trying to figure out how to get him to just be a regular person (laughs) in a relationship and not like this narcissistic, idiotic, self-centered person that he is, that he was kind of made to be like, it's not really his fault which is kind of sad. Like obviously at some point you have to own it and you have to do work to make yourself better, but he doesn't even see that there's a problem. Yeah, he's so coddled in like the people that like he's so surrounded by like yes men yeah. and people that are um encouraging his reckless and 
uh, frivolous behavior that he is unaware of like the actual struggles of other people. Um, which again, you could say like, isn't necessarily his fault, but he also has plenty of opportunities to change himself and he doesn't seize them. Totally. Um, so I, I would tend to agree with you on that. Yeah. I know one of the things that I would want to see from a season two is, uh, what it would look like from a development standpoint and how they would interact with each other if Carrie Russell and Will Arnett were in that relationship. If if they were, at, you know, because there's so much like will they, won't they, kind of they're trying to go for that like Sam and Diane, Rachel Ross kind of thing. But yeah. it's like you know that they kind of hate each other the whole time because they actively express how much they hate each other all the time. But there's also like a lot of tension in the fact that they also love, e- like want each other. It, it's very like sexual tension there. Yeah, but exactly. That's like, there's no real compatibility at all it seems right right Anyways. and um so it would be interesting to see how that would play out like in the romantic aspects right where you have carrie russell who's been living in this mansion but is actually like trying to utilize the privilege that comes along with like being in a relationship to somebody who's like basically endless money as well as well are not trying to learn about like what real charity means and doing good for the sake of doing good and no other yeah. expectations of it. Um, we see a couple moments like that where he does seize that, but it's not, it's not ever realized or um, focused. Like I've said several times to the point where it's like, Oh, you could see the catalyst for real change happening. And it would be really interesting to see, like you could have this be a show where over the course of the show, they kind of invert. And by the end of the show, Emmy is the trust fund obsessed kind of money hungry person. And Will Arnett's like the genuine, uh, you know, activist, uh, you know, uh, environmentalist. I think that would be kind of interesting. Um, yeah. You know, you don't have to paint either of them as bad people as a result of that. You can just show that, you know, people change, right? Like, you know, I'm not even yeah. saying that one or the other is inherently better or worse than the other because the way that it's presented by both characters is kind of slimy and not the way that anyone should be. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because Emmy's version of environmentalism isn't a real attainable thing. It's like completely unrealistic. Same thing with Steven's like partying and, uh, money spending. It's like no real person spends money like that. Even people who are the wealthiest people in the world don't. So it, they're both caricatures of, of completely unrealistic people. Yeah. I like what you said. I think, um, you know, people are a product of their, of their environment, right. And the people that they surround themselves with. And so, um, you know, there's nothing to say that being a product of your environment doesn't mean that when that environment changes, you can't change. Right. I think, I think that statement comes from like, oh, I am because I am who I am because of where I was raised or what I was raised in. And maybe we could have seen that evolve the other, you know, them, um, to kind of be opposites almost, or kind of come halfway. And then they both end up being like, half-hearted environmentalists and trust fund people and just like both like shitty in both ways or something like that would be funny well you can you can take the the tone of you know it it is okay to have certain privileges but also using your privilege to help people right like they don't need to be mutually exclusive and this show kind of assumes that they are right yes carrie russell is you have to be wholeheartedly an environmental activist. You can't have anything for yourself ever. You can't do anything selfish for yourself ever in any regards in like the pilot episode or the second episode or something like that. She's like just taking a warm bath, like a very mundane in the grand scheme of like your whole entire life, every good or bad thing you do, taking a warm bath after spending years in the rainforest is like pretty okay. 
And she then treats, she then hides the fact that she was taking a bath and then treats it like it was a terrible thing to have done. And that's, yeah. that's not the way real environmentalists see that kind of thing, nor should right. they, because it's like an unproductive exercise, right? Holistically, should you take a really warm bath every single day of your life and waste a lot of water and resources? No, but taking a bath once in a while is not, you know, uh, destroying the entire planet, right? Yeah. Um, and same thing with Will Arnett's character of, oh, well, I did one good thing one time, and now I'm suddenly a great person, right? <laughs> like, it, it doesn't work that oh, way dude. either, right? It's a it's a progressive system of, hey, I do good, and, you know, hopefully in the karmic sense of the world, good things happen, and I can use both my money and my physical body to, to help the world in small and big ways, and that is a net positive, right? But both of them are so far in the extreme, and they're written in the extreme to the point where... Yeah it's not it, they're not realistic and so i'd like for in another season for them to come together in a much more realistic sense of, of actual uh, personality and understanding that both ends of the spectrum are terrible in different ways yeah well presley i think that that second season or continuation of the show is possible would have been possible yeah had they gathered everyone that worked on that show okay fired all of them <laughs> and then rehired for every single role and so you don't even think the actors could have stayed carrie russell's great carrie so russell's is will arnett i think they're both really good. will arnett is fine but like he kind of just plays the same character and everything he's just this aimless airheaded idiot like he literally job yeah is the exact same person that Will Arnett is in Running Wild and that Will Arnett is in just about everything he's ever been. In. I mean, play to your strengths, though. It's that's not a strength. <laughs> I don't... I mean, Will Arnett's fine. He's a better actor than me. He's successful. He's got right. shows and movies or whatever, but like... He also has another know, podcast, I, I, too, so we have to be careful here. Oh, well, he's probably not going to listen to us, so... Um, <laughs> Because we're tearing him up. <laughs> He's going to see that and be like, ooh, I don't want to watch that. Or I want to listen to that. Um, no, I mean, yeah, maybe I guess some of the, the actors could have stayed. But like at the same time, I didn't really feel any chemistry between the, the actors. And it's hard to say whether that's it's hard to say whether that's because of the writing or because of the, the chemistry of the actual people behind right. the lens. Yeah, that can right? be a tough thing to figure out. It's from hard. Outside. Um and, you know, it's a gamble. I mean, anytime you create a show or whatever, it's obviously a gamble. I mean, you're seeing here in, in, in live that it's the premise it of this entire podcast, sometimes. right? Like, yeah. It's the entire premise of this entire show, right? Is that television doesn't work sometimes. Yeah. Right. It doesn't hit and it is a gamble. But um, I don't know. I feel like it's not a gamble that I would, that I would make like, like keeping those same actors and seeing if there's chemistry there with different writers. Like, I just don't feel like it was, it's there. Well, let's talk about one other thing and actually okay. two other things. I, I just thought of one other one. So one important thing that I think to talk about is that the entire show is narrated by Carrie Russell's daughter, Puddle, who yeah. is kind of a fun character sometimes. Right. And she, she acts as like the, the foil or like the, the every man in the scenario because she's yeah. like very new to both situations. Right. And mm -hmm. she just kind of wants to be like 
a standard kid going to school and having a good time and you know yeah. she just wants a bike in one episode and really that's sad like, how she just wants to be a, a freaking kid man yeah she or she to wants to play video games with with steven and his and his friend faad right like the she is so underused and she's the narrator of the show because like it's interesting to hear it from like the kid's perspective but she also is like in that narrator position omnipotent but yeah. she in the show is not obviously omnipotent she's just like a normal yeah. kid she just is aware of all this and like those two kind of fall apart in arrested yeah. development again i'll bring it up it's like the narrator of the show is not a mem- is not a character of the show right like the the person that's narrating the show is not anyone that we ever see or interact with right but knows everything about everyone right here it's a character we're interacting with and also is a character that's narrating and it, it's so messy to me it's like one of those like little things that really every single episode out here narration i'm like well she physically is capable of narrating but it just bothers me from like a storytelling perspective hmm. that's all yeah i mean <laughs> they definitely kind of used her as like a like puddle's character was just like a token to bring up to be in the middle of something or to be a pawn yeah, for things. And then to have her narrate and yeah, be like omniscient where like she knows everything behind everybody's motives and what they think and what they feel and whatever. That right. was interesting. Um, but I think that they probably like already paid a decent amount of money to get her on the show and they had to use her for something yeah. else. And so they were like, why don't you sit here and read these lines and narrate <laughs> the show for us? Well, and you know it's, I mean? it, it, you double down on that fact because you, you're adding in a a youthful energy to the show, right? Yeah. Everyone else is more or less middle-aged in the show. And, yeah. and so you're adding in a kid who has no other kids or young people to interact with for the entirety of the show and who is basically isolated from most of the narrative of the show because primarily the show focuses on Carrie Russell and Will Arnett's characters and their two yeah. interplays of what they're doing. And then Puddle, like you're saying, is just kind of there. And, yeah. like, why didn't they bring up, like, oh, well, who's Puddle's father? We know that Puddle is not David Cross's kid because, like, yeah. Carrie Russell finds David Cross kind of repellent despite the fact that they're engaged. And so it's like, yeah. oh, could he be Will Arnett's kid? And that? it's like, actually, their family is, like, interacting, right? Or, you know, any of the other interesting stuff. The whole reason that they, like, try out this move to, uh, to Will Arnett's character's house is because Puddle has refused to speak for the last six months. And it's, like, kind of like mm-hmm. a silent strike so she can not live in the jungle anymore. But, like, again, it's dropped after the first episode. And yeah. she's also narrating the whole time. So it's it's so muddy and it frustrates me. You can ho- Hopefully the audience can hear my frustration because this is, like, again, one of those little things. But as soon as you start to think about it, it makes the whole thing fall apart to me. You know, I could see why in the beginning, because she was mute, like she wasn't speaking. She wasn't really giving much of anything. If she never talked the whole show. Yeah, I could see why she was narrating and you you saw her talk and say like all these things. That was an interesting like thing to hear, to see. Um, But yeah, then it then after that. You know, she spoke to Steve in the back of the car or whatever, saying like, don't send me back. Like, don't let me go back. Right. And it was like that never happened. And that's the uh, which, one like, selfless thing have, Steve ever did. Yeah, like I don't have kids, but if my kid just stopped talking for six months and I couldn't figure out why or it was because of an environment that they didn't want to be a part of, I think I would probably take that a little more seriously before it gets to six months. But Yeah, again, I mean, Carrie parent, Russell is not but, a good mom. She tries to be like a good, thoughtful mom, but she's so overbearing and controlling yeah. of her daughter that it comes off like 
really as a bad parent, yeah. unfortunately, which like I don't want to call anyone out. I'm not a parent myself, so I don't want to know what good yeah. parenting is. Well, she also but, uses her kid as a therapist <laughs> yes. in a lot of senses too. And like, you know, there's a lot of times we're in there, they're in the treehouse, and she's talking to her and, and about some like things that they, they weren't like, I guess above or like the wrong subjects or like bad for the kid to hear. But at the same time, like you can be close to your child without like having them like putting that much pressure on them to like make decisions for you or help you choose big things in your life. You know what I mean? Like you, you're the adult, you should be seeking someone else's advice for that, I guess. Well, and she acts as a scapegoat for, uh, Emmy, Carrie Russell way more often than she should, where it's like, Oh, well, uh, you know, puddle really needs this. And like puddle is like, no, stop. I don't like stop. Right. And you know, it's, it's taken very jokingly. Right. But like in reality, it's kind of actually a little horrifying when you think about some of the situations, you also mentioned something that I didn't bring up in the synopsis. And I think is important for the first half of the season. Um, Carrie Russell and Puddle, uh, her daughter, are living in the treehouse that Stephen mm-hmm. had built for them when they were growing up um, yeah. because Emmy refused to go into the mansion that Stephen lived in when he was younger because of her like moral outrage to it. Um, well, also, his father didn't like her because she wasn't from a rich family. Oh, there you go. I, for- I forgot about that yeah. point. Right. So like doubling down on that, it, it's like weird that she then still subjects like her daughter to living in this tree house after moving from the Amazon, but then trying to make her go to school. And I don't know. It's just a muddy premise. It's, it's, it's a muddy message. It's not focused. It really bums me out because there, you know, there are times when we talk about things on this show where it's like, man, who, who had this idea and why were they allowed to have this thought? Right. Where it like, you know, I think about like the new tomorrow, right. Not to like harp on it, but like, that was a bad idea and they had already done a show that was successful. So like don't milk it for more than it's worth. And this feels like another case of that where you have a a semi interesting premise that if you really worked at could develop into an interesting, like moral, uh, not even drama, just like moral comedy that is allowing for some growth of characters that they just completely flopped on, um, and didn't stick the landing on. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was so surface level. There was nothing, nothing deeper than, what you see, right? There's nothing to read into anything. There's nothing to kind of take away from it. Um, and also you're being a little disrespectful to mud by keep calling it, keeping um, like consistent with calling it muddy because you can build a house or a <laughs> hut out of mud and you can't build shit with this show. Yeah. Um, one other quick thing before we get into our star ratings, which we'll, we'll talk yeah. about in a minute. I will say I am not, I'm a person that does not really care about product placement in just about anything. Mm -hmm. And it's really egregious in this show in a way that I, it it bothered me for maybe the first time ever. I understand why product placement exists. It's one of the ways that shows and and movies and stuff get made. And there are times when it's like really obvious and very funny to me. And I just kind of laugh at it, but it never really takes away from the premise. This show Mm -hmm. does some really rough product placement in a way that's like unjustifiable to me. And it's really sad. It's just one little yeah, note I'm going to throw in there. It is sad. And yeah, it is It is something that kind of like helps pay the bills and keeps the production Precisely. going and, and, you know, whatever. But uh, when it's done in such a bad way in such a bad show, it's just like it's just more evidence to prove that like they kind of just shock and wedded it. They were just like, ah, let's just do it. You yeah. Know? Like let's here's a here's house a... and make it happen, you know? Well, like, here's a clear example, right? So, like, in one of the episodes, Carrie Russell is trying to uh, 
convince a, a child the age of Puddle to go with Puddle to this dance, right? Yeah. Um, which is really creepy because the kid thinks that Carrie Russell is hitting on him and yeah. not trying to like, it, it's a very weird plot line. I don't want to get more into it. But it at one point she like ambushes him. Oh yeah. yeah, it was very uncomfortable. At one point she like ambushes him by saying that her cars run out of gas and so that she's like waiting for a tow. But then yeah. the kid's like, but that's the Nissan Leaf that can run on battery and is super energy yeah. efficient. It, it like literally sounds like a car ad, right? Yeah. And then you're like, okay, uh, that was really awkwardly written into the script, right? And so then 10 seconds later in the scene, it, he like looks at the gas gauge to see if she's actually out of fuel. And he's like, well, your fuel says full and your battery level is high. Did you know that you can go another 200 miles on just the battery charge in this car? Yeah. And it's like, again, I don't care. But when it's like so blatantly built into the dialogue of the show, yeah. it'd be one thing if you have that car in the background and you have the character who is the environmentalist activist driving a really fuel efficient car. Okay. It's in the show. I don't need them to then make, uh, a, a minute long scene talking about how fuel efficient the vehicle is. You know, yeah. that's like the drawing the line for me. Yeah. It was a Chevy Volt, but it's still, it still doesn't true. matter. Right. Like, no, it, I know, you know, no, the I fact know, that I didn't still, remember it, it almost is, makes it worse yeah. because it wasn't even effective at placing the yeah. product in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty bad. It, I, I don't mind, you know, the, the last time I was outraged about product placement was when um, James Bond went from drinking a martini to a Heineken. Wait, what? When was that? And, uh, oh gosh, I think it was, uh, I think it's the... Is that like the Pierce Brosnan era? No, Daniel Craig. I can't well, I mean, he goes and has like other drinks, but he still orders like martinis. No, like in this movie, he didn't. I haven't I remember, seen the latest maybe, James Bond movie, so maybe it's in that one. But listeners, correct me if I'm wrong here. But there was this whole stink about how he his drink switched from like a martini to a Heineken. He like orders a Heineken in one of the scenes, and it's like this big deal because it would be a standard Bond scene where he would walk up to a bar waiting for his mark or whatever, and he orders a Heineken. Specifically, orders a Heineken. Yeah, that sounds not was very James. Maybe Bond in me. Skyfall or. Quantum of Solace, I can't remember. I, I haven't seen No Time to Die, like the yeah, newest one, no so I know it's either. not that. It could be Spectre, um, too. It, oh, it could be Spectre. Yeah, it was one of, one of those. It was not Casino Royale. Um, but anyways, like that's the last time I was upset about product placement because I don't give a shit. But I was only upset because they changed a core thing about Bond. Right. Well, this has turned into a James Bond podcast. And as much as I would love yeah. to talk about that more than I would like to talk about this show, we do need yeah. to get into our star ratings. Uh, Andrew, tell the tell our mm. listeners, both new and old, um, to the show, I mean, not literal. I don't know what I'm saying. Andrew, tell the listeners uh, what our star rating is. Um, zero is, uh, you know, a, a person had an idea for a show. They shared it with their friends. Their friends go... Presley, I love you, man. I, you, you know that I'm your boy, <laughs> but this is trash. You never should say those words and ever again to anyone. This should never, ever be shared with another soul. <laughs> Put please, it in your dream journal and then burn the journal. Please, if you love me and in general humanity, please don't do this. Correct. Um Sorry, that was very dramatic, but that's basically zero. Um, zero don't, should don't be dramatic. Like, if we give a zero, it means, like, this show yeah. is 
you know, unrecommendable. Like yeah. we want to erase the pod that we're making for it. Right. Yeah. So like zeros are pretty unreconcilable. Um, but please continue. One would be, uh, you know, I could see this making a pilot, right. But after the pilot, we get a good glimpse of the direction, the idea for the characters, the personality, things like that. Mm, not happening. Like this should not continue. Yeah. Right? Like, nah, like pilot. Sure. Premise enough it. for a pilot, no. but not enough for a whole right. show basically. Yeah. Um, two would be, cool yeah one season was enough that's fine like pretty reasonable this was canceled right yeah uh, three would be you know hey i i, I would have it was a decent enough show i could have appreciated a few more another at least another season i probably would have watched it you know i always take um, the threes as the watch at your own risk for our listeners like if you yeah, listen to our yeah. episode and we're like oh that kind of sounds interesting or they didn't you know seem to hate it that's like okay three is like you can watch it but we warned you yeah exactly yeah, three would be yeah. Watch at your own risk. Four is like, well, it's a it's kind of a shame this was canceled. I really enjoyed this show. Yeah. We we definitely wish there was more of this. Like, um, for those of you that already listened, like Pan Am, I think was either a four or a five. It was a four. I think it was a four from both of us. Yeah. Um, for from both of us. Um, and yeah, that would be that. Like, oh man, this was such a good show. It's such a shame that it was canceled. Um, I really, really wish there was more to this because I feel like there's so much more that I want to see from this production, from this writing, from this show. Um, five is like, I want to put everyone in jail who decided to cancel this. Like, I want things to be made right. This is not okay. I am not okay. And also like, it's such a shame that people didn't watch it when it was airing. Right. Like it's one thing to also like be bummed about the fact that it didn't continue for X, Y, or Z reason. Yeah. It's another thing when like people really missed an opportunity to like see something great happening on television. Yeah. Um, which fives are rare, but they exist. Yeah. Most TV shows are canceled because of poor ratings. Right. And so like, if a really good show, like some of these shows that are really good probably came out at a time when there's a lot of other really good shows that came out and Mm -hmm. it just got drowned in the sea of, the golden age of television right yeah so, whatever it is um and whatever whatever that is so it, it's happening a lot right now as we're like doing these recordings right we're seeing yeah. a lot of shows be canceled just because they didn't pull in the viewership numbers that they were hoping for even if they got great reviews right i think even yep. pan am is an example of that where pan am had pretty mm-hmm. good reviews when i remember kind of cursory looking at them but then you know they just didn't have the numbers to kind of uh, ba- justify the cost and then you know, they canceled what could have otherwise yeah. been a, a long running successful show. Yeah, um, so exactly. that's, that's our rating system. Uh, I'll, I'll lead in the ratings. I, I think this is very, this is a definition of a one for me. This is like, Hey, you had an idea that's kind of interesting of, of, you know, this, this really wealthy guy who is in love with this activist girl who, you know, uh, is they're both morally kind of corrupt in different ways. Um, but you know, it didn't, as we saw from this season, like it didn't deserve a full season of television and certainly didn't deserve to continue. Um, so definitively a one. And I think my new definition of a one is kind of a running wild. Um, you know, when, when shows hit me this way, I'm going to think it's a one. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I, I was thinking one as well. Um, if without trying to think of too many reasons why it got a pilot and why it got a series, right? Because, it did because of arrested development, right? Yeah, they or the people behind the it, characters at the very least, right? And the people behind it to take the helm and write a new show. And who knows uh, how much yeah, money think, that like Will Arnett as a yeah. an executive producer and co-creator and other people threw at this, right, to make it work. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would put it at a one pro- pretty much for the same reason, right? Like it was an interesting enough story or an interesting enough idea and, and kind of like relationship that you could see happening or like the different, I guess the paradox of the two different yeah. personalities and where it could have gone and, and all of that. So definitely I think it was interesting at least to have a pilot to see it kind of happen. And then, um, you know, but I don't know if it would have gone, I don't know if it should have gone past a pilot because yeah. the pilot episode was not good enough to continue for me, but I as we know, our second job, <laughs> as we know, <laughs> premise is not enough for a good show, right? Like, right. And at the same time, a show can be good without a good premise, right? Like they are not mutually exclusive, but they need to work together. And this was like a show that had an okay premise. It's not even a great premise, but it has a premise enough for a good sitcom uh, that didn't roll with any good characters, any good stories, any good narratives was, uh, you know, problematic in a lot of different ways. And so doesn't deserve to have continued past, you know, a pilot, which, you know, you make a pilot and they're not successful. There's a whole podcast about pilots, you know? Um, So, I, you know, I think that we're we're pretty much in accord here, and I would discourage our listeners from from watching this one. Unfortunately, yeah, please don't, because I'm not sure that it's even available anywhere. I think you'd have to buy it, and yeah, you got to buy money it on that iTunes. was already spent on it. Wasn't worth spending. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't watch this show. Please don't. Please watch any other show. Watch your favorite comfy show. Um, yeah, rewatch Star Trek: The Next Generation for the 18th yeah, time. Rewatch like I do. Friends. Rewatch How I Met Your Mother. Rewatch The Office do any of those don't watch this show yeah um so thank you all for for listening to our show today um this is the part where andrew tells me uh the show that we're going to be watching live on the pod i do not know uh what our next show is going to be so uh get ready listeners because you're about to hear it live with me Andrew, roll, please Brrr, i'm not actually gonna that do the drum roll good. nice okay, um go. we're gonna be watching constantine oh NBC series you know what? This um, is actually exciting because Constantine, this show I know had been canceled. I have not personally watched it, but yeah. they they quasi renewed the character on the CW show Legends of Tomorrow, which is a DC oh. spinoff show. And so mm-hmm. the same actor plays Constantine and it is like a continued continuity from that show, um, which is very cool. And I, I love the uh, comic book character of Constantine. So I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited. It, it. I looked up a few of the different. You know, we have a pretty pretty large running list right now, and uh, I looked at a few of the different titles, and I was like, ooh, you know, I could do with a little like DC, like supernatural kind of supernatural thing, yeah. type of you know show, like a little, a good little like 13 episode, 45 minute episode kind of thing. Really sink our um, teeth into it. Yeah, really sink our teeth into something with uh, substance after <laughs> well we'll find out i, I mean not... we haven't watched it yet so i don't know if it has any yeah substance. well well i mean it, it probably does have more substance than running wild because you <laughs> more like any substance is more than zero right? i guess like that's fair point zero 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 one is more than zero so that you are always true there yeah. um so with that uh we we bring our episode to a close uh andrew tell them where they can find uh, us for future listenings uh, as some of you may already know, you can find us at season underscore one underscore pod on all socials as well as season one pod.com. Yes. Um, and 
uh, tell your friends about the show if you're enjoying it. Tell us how you're enjoying it. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we yeah. we want to hear from you. We like to talk with our listeners and learn more about what you guys are interested in and uh, what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong because we want to grow just like we wish these shows would have learned from their mistakes. We are here to learn from our own mistakes, so please tell us. Yeah, and if you have any of that feedback or any ideas, anything like that, feel free to comment um, on any of our uh, episodes, as Presley said, any of our social media posts, etc. But you can also email us at suggestions, suggestions at season1pod.com. We'd love to hear if you have any ideas for a show to see if maybe it's on our list or if you have any ideas for how we can make it more creative or come up with uh, some other things to do or talk about in here that you want to hear about. Yeah. Uh, very, very good point. Uh, we do have our list up on our uh, website uh, for anyone who's like curious. That way you can kind of check and uh, make sure that the uh, show you have are going to suggest is, isn't already up there. Um, but uh, if you do have a show that's not up there, we'd love to hear about it and love to, like like Andrew said, uh, we, we like hearing feedback. We like hearing compliments. Whatever you want to give to us, we will take. Um, but thank you, everyone who took the time to listen. We really appreciate uh, We really appreciate it. And uh, with that, uh, this has been season one. My name is Presley. And my name is Andrew, and we watch it so you don't have to.